The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 11th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my co-producer, and engineer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. We've had a little bit of uh, technical difficulty here. But, you know, we are live here in Santa Rosa. And when you're doing live shows, it's very, very interesting. You run into all kinds of things happening. Well, I have a very special guest with me today. Joining me in the studio is Vesta Kopsake, a graphic artist and founder and former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette. Vesta and I will be talking about the Lower Russian River Municipal Council, where she is a board member and chair of the Vacation Rental Ordinance Committee. Oh, amazing, amazing. What an amazing week. Are, are we okay with the technical appeal now, he's, Ken? He's still working. We're okay, getting we're getting here. <laughs> anyway, I am really excited. You know, they had last week, they uh, voted on Thursday to confirm Judge Kanji Tanji uh, Brown Jackson for the Supreme Court with Vice President Kamala Harris presiding. Oh, my God, it was so exciting. Uh, the vote was 53 to 47, uh, which was a lot, uh, was uh, on party lines. Hold on, we're switching now. We're switching the mic here. Thank you. <laughs> it's so wonderful to have an engineer that's sitting here by your side. Thank you so much, Ken. Uh, the vote was 53 to 47, of course, along uh, party lines. A shout-out, a special shout-out to Republican Susan Collins of Maine, Mitt Romney of Utah, and Lisa McCoskey of Alaska who supported the confirmation you know it's great to see these women finally come forward after all they are standing on the shoulders of women who went to jail were waterboarded were you know were even even died so we could get the vote so we could as women have a place at the table so this is a very exciting historic moment I mean I just I, I mean, I'll tell you something. When I listened to her speech and I heard her say the, who she was standing on the shoulders of, I want you to know that I cried. I cried because so much appreciation, so much appreciation there. And, you know, along with, with her being uh, nominated and now she's going to sit on the Supreme Court and now it's no longer a white majority of men, you know, which is also very exciting. And I hope by her being on the on the Supreme Court that the other, the uh, Caucasian woman, I can't remember her name now, maybe will we'll be a little bit influenced by this particular woman. But I want to I want to go I want to uh, talk a little bit about an experience I had before we go into um, I have uh, several announcements to make about some of the uh, uh, candidate forms that are going on. But before we do that, I want to talk about something that Ken and I experienced this weekend. We went to a play called Our Lives Matter, uh, done by the Our Lives Matter Theater Company. And as I hope folks remember, about two weeks ago, I had uh, I had Diana Greger on, Grayer on, who is the producer and the writer of this wonderful piece of work. And it's called Release, Unearthing the Silent Rumbling. And it was an amazing event, an amazing event. And I have a confession to make. 
you know, after seeing this, the, the, the play was in three parts. The first part was the play itself, where you had African-American uh, young men and young women, as well as Caucasians, coming together and talking about what it's like to have the black experience. And then after that, all the, all the uh, actors got on the stage, and they asked, uh, the audience got to ask them questions on how they felt about, you know, expressing uh, their blackness, expressing some of the issues around being an African-American person, and also what they felt like being able to talk to an audience and being so honest. It was just amazing. Then the second part, the third part about that was that we all got together and we got to talk about our own experiences around racism. And I have to do a shout-out, not only for Diana Grayer for having the courage to write this play and to do all it takes, I mean, to just pull it together was just amazing, but also to the actors for their, for their willingness to be so honest and so open about their experience and in, and in, and in uh, reciting the words that she wrote. And of course, of course, the audience for being so brave to even be there. I mean, of course, it was a majority of whites in the audience, and the whole idea behind the play was to uh, create allies, white allies. Well, I, I have a confession to make. You know, I was brought up Jewish, and when I was in, went to junior high school, I crossed the line, and I ended up going to Hollenbeck Junior High School. I was only one of six Jewish people, and I, cro- I caught hell for it. You know, I mean, I was, I, you know, Christ killers and all the different things. So on some level, on some level, I thought that I really understood the black experience. I said, yeah, you know, I understand being Jewish. I understand, you know, segregation. I lived in a, in a ghetto when I was growing up with all Jewish people. Didn't even know there was anything other than Jews until I went to junior high school, to be honest with you. And then when I sat in the play and I saw a cup, I saw a cup, and it was really interesting. And the cup, on the cup it said, our blackness will never fade. And that struck me. That struck me. And I thought, you know, Elaine, there's a big difference between being a white person who happens to be Jewish and a black person who's black. Because I could change my name. I could pretend I'm somebody else. I could say I'm a Catholic. You know, (laughs) I could say anything I want because I'm white. But when a black person shows up, they show up. There they are. They're black. And all those assumptions come up. And I suddenly realized, no, I do not know what it really is like to be in a body with black skin, you know, and that I have to recognize that and that we all have to recognize that, that there's more that comes along with it because you can't change anything. I think of the, I think of Kandiji when she went to Harvard, you know, she was, a, she was probably one of maybe three or four black people, if they were lucky. And look how what she accomplished. But no matter what, no matter how good she was, no matter how bright she was, no matter what she did, she still walked in the room as a black person, and there are assumptions that are made. So for myself, what I learned during that play is that I have to be really more aware of what it is to have the black experience, to be segregated the way they were, to go through the lynchings, all because of the color of their skin. And to me, some of the accomplishments that were made in spite of that, I have to do a huge shout out. I mean, a huge shout out. Because these are things that some of us can never understand. 
of what that must feel like. We saw uh, Mississippi burning about three weeks ago, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, all this is happening because one person has white skin and one person has black skin, and that's so identifiable. I mean, it was, it was stunning to me. So that, that's what I walked away with. And I really want to do a shout out to Diana Grayer for doing this, for having the courage to put this out there and to have us all talking. And, you know, that's what's going to change the world. Blah, blah, blah is not going to change the world. Hate is not going to change the world. Love's not going to change the world. Nothing's going to change the world like sitting down at the table and getting to know one another and understanding each one of our experiences. And, you know, I was feeling, fooling around with the word love and the word hate. To say hate takes so much energy. To say love is almost a softness, like love. Hate. It's much easier to love. And that's their way to peace. You know, like they say and imagine, you know, all we're saying is give peace a chance. And we're never going to have a peace until we recognize the struggles of all of us. So again, a shout out to Diana Greger and to the whole team. And and Ken, did you want to say anything? Did you want to make a comment? We were at the Ken was with. We were sitting there. We were both just enthralled. What what was your thought? Well, <clears throat> it was very moving. There was about six six different uh, vignettes that uh, were played out, uh, like real life experiences. Some between blacks and whites, and some between uh, a black and black and. Uh, I learned a lot just in the, the first episode where, where uh, the, the girl said that she uh, it hurt her when someone put a tack underneath her. And they did that because of her skin. And I remember in a sophomore's high school that I was afraid to speak up when, when someone behind me put a tack in the, underneath the student in front of me who was black. And that student eventually left the school. And, you know, that has bothered me ever since I was a sophomore. And I, what I got out of it is that bother has actually helped me because I have had black housemates, I've had uh, collaborators in what in, in projects that I do, and have a good friends that are black. So it's you know it's it's even though we fail, we can keep going forward and improving ourselves. And that was, you know, that was come personal to me. So I I got an awful lot out of it, and I really highly recommend recommend. Uh, Diana Grayer's plays. Right. I mean, it just was wonderful. And, you know, if there's anybody out there, you know, that has any extra cash or anything, check her out. Check her out. Our lives, our lives matter. I love this. Our lives matter theater company. I mean, that is such a powerful statement. So I can't, I can't thank her enough. And a special shout out to my dear friend, Nancy Rogers, who made it possible for me to and Ken to go to the play. She gave us a birthday present. And, you know, we're working on Entrepreneurs of Tomorrow and also the Juneteenth celebration. I encourage, we're going to be talking more about Juneteenth. The only way that leads to overcoming racism is getting to know each other getting to talk to each other, getting to sit next to each other and realize we're just people. We're just human beings trying to make it in this world, trying to make it in this world. Well, I know that's a lot. You know, I know that's a lot to say, but I have a lot in my heart about that. I mean, it was, it was, just, it was just amazing to me. That's all I can say. Well, I have a few announcements to make if I can ever find them. I don't know what, I just had them in my hand. That we've got all kinds of things that the League of Women Voters are doing. Oh, here it is. Oh, thank goodness I have a guest in the, in the, in the studio here to help me. <laughs> 
Well, it's 12 o'clock today. This is this is going to be amazing. This is by the League of Women Voters, and I want to do a shout-out to my dear friend, Debbie McKay, who always keeps me informed about the what, what the League is doing. You know, the League is over 100 years old. I mean, it's an amazing, an amazing organization. Well, they're going to have it today at noon o'clock. At noon, it's going to be a... Uh, a, a webinar, a Zoom. It's going to be Making Democracy Work. It's going to be a presentation by students at um, at Santa Rosa JC. And the way you find out information about it, it which right now it's about 11, 12, so you got plenty of time to go on and get a Zoom. Just look up the Santa Rosa uh, Junior College on your website and look up Making Democracy Work, and it'll give you all the information. And the league has been, has been very, very busy, very busy, that's for sure. Uh, there's going to be uh, another thing uh, that the league is doing about the sheriff. Let's see. Yes, look at this. Uh, protecting everyone's right to vote. Uh, to vote. That's our theme of the league. We march for the Apple Blossom Parade. Oh, I can't believe it. It's happening Saturday, April 23rd from 8 to 12. And I also found out that the... Um, uh, National Organization for Women, which I'm part of, we're also going to be in this parade, the Apple Blossom Parade, which is going to be really exciting. I get to wear my suffrage outfit that I bought for 2020 that I never got to wear because of the of the pandemic. And then there's also a candidate form for District Form uh, District Four that's going to be uh, Thursday, April 28th at seven o'clock to nine o'clock. And that all this stuff will be on Women's Spaces www.womenspaces.com. But just to let you know that the League of Women Voters is doing a lot of stuff around the elections that are coming up in June. I mean, this is going to be, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the most important elections we're having in a long time because we have an opportunity to to elect a new sheriff and also uh, District 4. Uh, there's uh, James Gore and there he has a competitor that's running, which is very, very interesting. And then we also have the school board uh a competition that's running. So you, people have to pay a lot of attention, and I'm happy to announce that KBBF will be doing uh, some uh, voter uh, interviews, some uh, candidate interviews uh, at some point, and I'm looking forward to that. District 2 as well. Yeah, District 2, that's right, District 2. Oh, my goodness, that's right. David Rabbit has a little bit of competition. That's going to be really interesting. Well, you know, we do. we always do our history as our strength. Now, why do we do this again? We are standing on the shoulders of women who took chances. I mean, I could not believe that this woman in Texas is struggling for her life, something around an abortion, you know, that they're, they're going to try her for murder. For God's sakes, we've got wars going on. We've got all kinds of things. There's many, many things that we can be tried for murder. Get away. Get out of women's bodies, for heaven's sakes. You know, it's, it's about time that all women stood up and saying, you know something, if you, don't, if you don't believe in abortion, you don't have one. You know, if I don't believe in being a Catholic, so I don't go to a Catholic church. It's the same thing. I don't believe in, in being a Protestant, so I don't go to a Protestant church. Uh, I, don't, I don't like uh, communism, so I don't go to communist meetings. I mean, come on. You don't carry a gun. Yeah, exactly. And I don't carry a gun because I don't believe in guns. Okay, so there, that's my belief system. But if you believe in guns, you want to carry it. I mean, that's your prerogative. You live in a country that says you can do that. If you don't want to have an abortion, you go ahead and have that child. But And to our leaders, 
for God's sake, if you're so concerned about the children, make sure they get a good education and they have food on their table and a home to live in. That's what we should be focusing on. Not some woman who couldn't, who realized, I can't have this child. I can't give it the life that I want to give it. So therefore, maybe this decision is a better decision. I mean, I've made that decision myself at one time. It was the worst decision I had to make in my life. I wasn't jumping up, oh, yay, I can get an abortion. No, I had to make a, a decision, and it left my daughter a single child. You know, I always wanted to have two children, but here I, I hit a time in my life where I said, oh, no, I can't do this. I can't bring this baby into the world. But, you know, that's my choice, and that should be your choice. And who am I to judge another woman? You know, there's an old Indian saying, before I judge anybody, I walk a mile in their moccasins. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. But anyway, oh my goodness, I'm really ranting and raving this morning. Okay, anyway, let's talk about our history as our strength. Here is another courageous woman who was born, who was in April 9th of 1939. Marian Anderson sings an Easter Sunday concert for more than 75,000 people at Lincoln Memorial. And that was because Eleanor Roosevelt said, how dare you prevent this woman from singing just because she has, she's black, for heaven's sakes. Another thing that happened I thought is really very interesting that happened. Uh, 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 on April 9th, we have a birthday. This is a wonderful, this is, I mean, I love when I find out different things about these uh, women. Uh, this woman was born April 9th, and she made her transition in 2007. Irene Morgan Kikolady defied a bus driver in 1944. So this is even before, you know, the civil rights mo movement, who, who ordered her to give up her seat and move to the segregated back, kicked the sheriff when arrested. Oh, what a feisty woman. A Thurgood Marshall who was the first black man on the Supreme Court who did amazing things for the world, won her case six to one on grounds of promoting and protecting national travel, awarded, he was awarded the Freedom Medal. She was awarded the Freedom Medal by President Clinton, who said she took the first step on a journey that would change America forever. And I could say the same thing about Diana Grayer's play. She took the first step that can really help us change. I know it's changed my consciousness, and I'm a hard one. It's hard to change my mind. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and here's another one of my favorite people. Happy, happy birthday. I mean, this is one of my role models. April, she was born April 10th, 1880, and made her transition in 1965, and that's Frances Perkins, the first woman cabinet member, Secretary of Labor in 1933, key contributor to the Social Security Act and the Fair Labor Standards Act. What's really interesting about Frances Perkins, she was a social worker. And when they had the Triangle Fire, which was a, a, a big fire that really during the time when women were trying to organize in the uh, sweatshop, she happened to be walking home from work. And she saw 126 women were burned alive in that, in that it, it just jumping out. It was just a catastrophe. But she was walking by, happened to stop there, and she made a commitment 
that one day that she would be in a place where she could change child rules, child labor laws and labor laws, you know, especially safety. Because why these women died is you're, you're going to love this. The bosses, the male bosses, used to lock the doors before they left because they wanted to check their purses to make sure that they didn't take any material or needles. And here these women died because they couldn't get out. They couldn't get to the stairways. And Frances Perkins, indeed, that she not only was responsible for Social Security, but child labor laws, but also for safety. That's how OSHA was born. All these different regulations that keep us safe happen. And here is a woman that really did her thing. Well, here's another woman, uh, really interesting. Johnny Tilleman is her name. She was born April 10th, 1926, and she made her transition in 1995. She was the director of the National Welfare Rights Organization from 1963 to 1972. She worked with Gloria Steinman and Eileen Hernandez on women, welfare, and poverty at the National Women's uh, Conference in Houston in 1977. You know, I have to say something about this particular woman. And also, there used to be a, a program called the Comprehensive Employment and Training Act. And so many women were able to go back to college, were able to do all kinds of different things. And then all of a sudden, someone comes up with this whole idea about the welfare queen getting in her Cadillac and drinking and drugging. I mean, come on. You know, we got enough money for wars. We can snap our fingers and millions of dollars go explode the world. But no, when it comes to welfare or taking care of women and children in the future, all of a sudden, <laughs> we don't have the money or we have to debate it till our ears hurt with such nonsense. Anyway, my last thing is, and I would never miss this woman. She was born April 10th, 1930, and that's Dolores Huerta. Uh, she was a Chicana activist, labor organization, and co-founder of the United Farm Workers Union. And I'm proud to say, if you go on www.womenspaces.com, I have two interviews with her. One, when I was doing the television show, and the second one was, uh, when I came back to the radio show. So Dolores Huerta has done amazing things, and she's still doing amazing things, not only speaking up for her people, but speaking up in the name of unions. You know, I mean, she was very much involved with Cesar Chavez, but I'll tell you something, if you're going to put one person one in front of the other, I would put Dolores Huerta. She was a hard worker. And this woman had like nine children. I can never imagine being an activist traveling. I mean, some of her kids, when I've seen interviews and they talk about her, I just go, wow. I could barely, I could only handle one. And I wasn't the activist that she was. And she, I mean, just amazing. So these women that we are standing on the shoulders of, they have done incredible things. And it's because of them that I'm on the radio today. It's because of them that Vesta Copesakes was able to get the respect that she needed when she had the paper, when she was the founder and editor of the Sonoma County Gazette. And now women serving on boards. Now we have a woman on the, on the Supreme Court. These women are responsible. These are the shoulders we are standing on. And we must never lose sight of that. When I heard that woman ask uh, our new Supreme Court nominee, when she says, can you define women? I thought, wait a minute, lady. You're on there because of women. 
You don't need a definition. You know what women are. And today's world, you know, there's really no definition. I mean, come on. We're changing so much. I mean, with gender equality right now, I mean, I'm confused. Sometimes I see these things, you know, she's a hero, him, what, why, who, what. I go, wow, this is amazing. All these different identifiers. And the reason that's happening, you know, people say, oh, you know, this one, that. No, the reason that's happening is because when you find your identity, you can stand up more as a whole human being. And for us to judge, you know, back to the, what I said about the Native Americans, until I walk 100 miles in somebody's moccasins, I can't judge them. You know, try it for one day. Try two things. Number one, aware of your assumptions when you see somebody. And secondly, what your thoughts are when you hear the news or you hear something. Oh, I want to make one last comment that was stunning about this play. I'm going to go back. And that is a, one uh, young man was talking about the impact that it had to watch when President Trump called out when the Black Lives Matter were protesting and all of a sudden they, they, had, they just wiped them out. They just brought in all kinds of military and stuff. And next thing you know, the president's uh, posing with a, uh, the ex-president's posing with a uh, Bible versus the insurrectionists. You know, I mean, there's a big difference. You know, color of skin, come on. And it's never going to fade away. It's always going to be there. So we must, must learn to live together. And until we do, we will never have peace. So that should be everybody's goal. We want peace on earth. Everybody's goal should be how do we learn to live together? How do we go inside of ourselves and contribute and make sure that we make a world for our children? Remember, our children are the future. You know, just look at that. I mean, you know, today gangs are rising and rising and rising. Why is that, young people? Why do they go that way? Because they want to feel some identity, some credibility, some respect. It's an amazing thought when you start thinking about it. Well, we're going to take a musical break. And the song that I'm going to play is I Love This Woman, Kate Wolf. Oh, God, when she passed away, I, I must have gone into mourning for two months. I mean, I met her when she was playing with her and her husband, uh, Don Toppin, in Sebastopol. They used to go play in this pizza house, and we'd all come with our kids, and, and she would play these songs. And I remember the first time I heard this song, She Rises Like a Dolphin, and that's what we're going to play. And why are we playing that? Because somehow this song, more than any song I've ever heard, reminds me of myself and my guest that's going to be on with me, and that's Vesta Kopsake, member of the Lower Russian River Municipal Council, and chair of the Vacation Rental Ordinance Committee. She's a graphic artist and founder and former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette. You know, she always says, oh, come on, play. No, we will never forget that, Vesta, that you found that beautiful, beautiful paper. And we'll be talking about what it's like to be retired, along with discussing the Vacation Rental Ordinance that she's involved in. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play She Rises Like a Dolphin, sung by Kate Wolf. She rises like the dawn. Sea wind in her eyes 
casting shadows like a painter's palette knife. Her hair fans out around her, floating like a crown. She plays on the water, lets it pull her down. Sometimes she swims in moonlight with the stars high above. Night sounds of the water speaking soft of love. Her skin turns to velvet as she feels the waters glide. She loses all her boundaries on this magic carpet ride. shadows dance then she's diving down and you're looking through a glass like a one-way mirror her reflections far below where she was she isn't now that's all you really know two swimmers in the water one of silver one of gold one below the surface, one reaching for a hole, one floating freely, one trying not to drown, a dreamer with two faces, a dolphin and a clown. Fall, you're thinking like a fool. She'll strike for the horizon like a ship out to sea, leaving just illusions that look like memories. She wears the water like a mask, a brand new suit of clothes, a player on the stage. An actress no one knows See her roll and tumble Falling like a clown A swimmer in the water That runs from higher ground I love that last line. Of course, because I'm a Pisces, a swimmer in the water that flies to higher grounds. That's what we're all trying to do. We're trying to climb to higher grounds. Well, for you just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my beautiful guest with her long, beautiful gray silver hair. 
uh, Vesta Copesakes. Welcome, Kevsta. Welcome to Women's Spaces. I love being here with you, always. Well, it's really good. Good. Before we start, I would like to tell folks just a little bit about you, if that's okay. Is that okay with you? You're in charge, babe. <laughs> I'm in charge. Hey, wait, I'm in charge at last. <laughs> Vesta Copesakes is the former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette, a community-building publication both in print and online. She believes her mission is to connect people, share knowledge, experiences, and love of our home which is our community. Her community service experience includes Forestville Chamber of Commerce Board, uh, Vice President and President, Forestville Planning Association Founder and Board Member, Forestville Education Founder and Board Member, Friends of Forestville School Board Member, Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Sonoma County Board Member. Boy, if that isn't a community activist, someone who cares about the community, I don't know what to say. Uh, she right now is on the Lower Russian River Municipal Advisory Council, and she chairs the Vacation Rental Committee, which you will be talking about. I also know she is a beautiful grandmother to two beautiful girls and has a wonderful, wonderful husband. And I want to just welcome, welcome you, Vesta. Welcome once again to Women's Faces. My pleasure. Believe me. Anything you'd like to add, my love? Um, just it's what we wanted to talk about about community engagement and community involvement. I it's so um, it's so powerful to take care of your home and your family. So many of the things that you talk about has to do with uh, empowering people, women, etc. And it includes men as well. It includes every family member. There's probably no one on this planet who doesn't go through life getting hurt in some way. So the most powerful thing we can do is love and nurture. And so we start with our families and expand it out into the community to love and nurture our home and everyone who lives here. It's the very best we can do. Well, I, I just think beautiful the way you said that. Well, you know... One thing, one thing, you know, you're always, when I talk to you, you talk about being retired from the Sonoma County Gazette. And I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm going to say it over and over. That is one of your great accomplishments that I think is worth acknowledging every time I see you. So what I thought we would start the thing out with, most people I'm sure are curious, you know, what's it like being retired? You know, you retired from this very popular paper. You know, somebody else had to take it over. You wrote for it for a, a while, then all of a sudden found that that's not the place you needed to move on to other things. But talk about what it's like to be retired and how you feel about the paper now that is, is out there without you. Well, first of all, I want to thank Sonoma Media Investments for purchasing it. Um, the timing couldn't have been better because they purchased it in December 2019. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. So... Um, Your parking lot ferry was looking out for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Because by March of 2020, COVID started. And I had already given myself a personal commitment that I, if, if it made it till, if it just wasn't sold by then, I would publish the Gardener's Resource Guide for March 2020. And then I would retire because I was exhausted. It was an um, like what I could say, it consumed my life, and I was getting older and tired, and therefore not capable of doing it as well as I wanted to do it. And you know, when when you reach for as high as you can possibly accomplish, and you start getting too tired to do it, it's time to stop. You have to recognize when it's time to stop, no matter how much you love what you do. And I loved what I did. So when Sonoma Media Investments purchased it and carried it on, and then of course the, it took them a while to find a new publisher, in part because it's not easy. And then the other part was because of COVID and uh, advertising dollars were cut in half instantly. And therefore I would have gone out of business if they had 
hadn't purchased it. So they were able to finance it and continue it going on until they could find somebody to replace me. And then as it has evolved over the last two years, they have built upon the people who are who are actually managing and producing the paper and the website. So it's no longer, you know, vest and a couple of people, like two people were my, my helpmates. They have a whole team now. And so it can continue on because they have the capacity, the, the strength, the money, the resources to make it happen. Well, I love I seeing it out there in the world. I really do. It's like raising a child and sending them off to school and college and a life and there you get to see it continue instead of die thank you well i actually i i feel the same way you know i feel the same way that it continues and that's the most important thing you still have the input from the the individuals you know each city which is amazing to me you know i, I still read it i just i just think it's wonderful actually you know i have to if if stephanie hiller might be listening to the to the program, I need to talk to her because uh, you do need to talk to her. Yeah, she still is. She's still writing. She's just a wonderful, wonderful person. But what, what, what is, what is the big, what, what, what is one thing before we go into? Because I'm really excited about what you're doing with the Russian River, the lower that that whole group, that whole committee, and around the rentals. But what, as far as the Gazette goes, what's the one, one or two things that you really like that that's a little bit different that they have brought forward for you? Well, I, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that um, I was having dinner with a, a new neighbor the other day, and she goes, I love the Gazette. And she was new to the area. She came from Millbrae. So the fact that that personal connection continues, and she could say the words that I always love to hear myself, I love the Gazette. She said those <laughs> words. So that means that she saw the same spirit continue on in the paper. And one of the things that people absolutely adore are those community columns you mentioned. So each person is committed to their home and to letting the world know about their home, and therefore the connection throughout the county is huge. And so that's the thing that, that I treasure, and um, that's probably the biggest thing that I treasure is that the, that that community connection continues. You know, it's interesting because when you ask people what is the thing they like the best about the cassette, it's always those columns. Yes. You know, and I mean, I wrote for you for almost four years, which yes. is very, very exciting. And and it's interesting when you write for the community and you find out about them, you feel so much more centered. You know, I mean, I'm proud of Sonoma County. We may not be perfect, but I'll tell you, we'd really, we've got some great players that really try to keep us on board. It's the connections. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the Lower Russian Municipal Council. You know, they may make recommendations, I understand, to the to the board of directors and all kinds of different things. What what motivated you to get involved with this and what, what is their mission? Well, all municipal advisory councils, and there are many throughout Sonoma County, in fact, all states and the country, I mean, they are citizens in a community elected by their community to represent them to the Board of Supervisors who make decisions. They are specifically unincorporated areas because cities have their own governments. And so therefore you elect people to represent you to your government of your city. But unincorporated areas will have one person. Like in my district, we have Linda Hopkins who is representing an immense community. It's huge. <laughs> so so having citizens in the unincorporated areas in each community say, this is what matters to my town and then that goes to the Board of Supervisors who, it's not just the one supervisor who represents your area, your district, but it's all five supervisors in Sonoma County who represent the entire county who make decisions about the home where you live. So that's why it's really, really important to give them the feedback of where you live and what's important to you and your neighbors. So you're, you're elected. Yes. 
uh, do you have a, a, you're part of the lower Russian River so does the election in the Russian River area, those people vote for you, so you have to campaign? Oh, you know, it's, it, when the first one came around, um, it wasn't like a lot of campaigning. We just sent, people knew us, and it was brand new. And so, um, because everybody knew me, it was easy <laughs> for me to get elected. Um, and then the second time came around, and uh, it was one of those, well, no one has come forward to do this, so I'll just keep going for another, because I did three years, and now I'm on another two-year term. And so, so it, it is a responsibility, and it's, uh, it's actually kind of a big responsibility in a lot of ways. So for someone to commit to it, they better know their home. They better know some rules and regulations. You have to know the Brown Act. That's one of the hardest things for me is that you have to keep your mouth shut about certain things. And, you know, I'm not good at that. So um, the, you follow government rules around public entities and, and representation, and that's, that's a little hard, but you really do have to know your community in order to serve. Well, one thing I looked, and one thing I found when I did the research on it, which was there was quite a bit to do. I mean, it was very interesting reading about municipalities and understanding that aspect of, of government. You know, it's, And a, another thing that's so important is people running their own town, their own community, making recommendations. So give an example, you know, of, of like they talk about a topic of interest besides the rental. What's another example of something that you handled in that municipality, that committee? Well, we have land use committees. Um, so like there's the, the coastal, um, the Sonoma Coast Advisory Council deals with land use committee uh, issues that out on the coast, which impacts everybody who visits there as well as people who live there. Um, in the Lower Russian River, we have land use issues, like someone wants to put in a gas station. We need to know about that, how it's going to impact the community. Someone wants to put in a, a facility to handle the waste that comes out of restaurants. It's going to make some noise. We need to know about that. Someone's going to buy the local beach. We need to know about that. So someone's going to build a building, like there's a, a, a in Gurnwood Park, there's a hotel that has been proposed, and it's a very, very large, involved structure. And so the community has to be able to say, do we want this hotel? Do we not want this hotel? What aspects of the hotel are good for our community, which are bad? So it allows the community to get involved in the decision-making process and how it's handled, as opposed to just, just the government or just the developers. That's probably how many of these things start, is around land use. Well, you know, we're going to take a little musical break right now. What are we going to sing, babe? And since, <laughs> since, we're, since we're talking about community, you know, this is one of my favorite songs. It's called The House I Live In, and it's sung by a woman by the name of Maxine Lehan. And this was made famous by Frank Sinatra during the 40s when they were trying to bring communities together, you know, with the whole, the whole New Deal and, and also about racism. You know, it was it was very when you really look at when you look at the film by Frank Sinatra, you can see it on Facebook. You can see what he's trying to educate the kids that, you know, we got to come together. This is our neighborhood. This is our community. So let's go ahead and play that, Ken. And when I re when we come back, I'll continue my conversation with Vesta Kopsakes, who's a graphic artist and member of the Lower Russian, excuse me, Lower Russian River Municipal Council, where she is a board member and a chair right now of the vacation rental ordinance. So let's go ahead, Ken. What is America to me? A name, a map, a flag I see, a certain word, democracy. 
I live in A plot of earth, a street The grocer and the butcher And the people that I meet The children in the playground The faces that I see All races and religions That's America to me The place I work in, the worker by my side, the little town or city where my people lived and died, the howdy and the handshake, the air of being free, and the right to speak my mind out, that's America to me. I see about me the big things and the small the little corner you stand the house a mile tall the wedding in the churchyard the laughter and the tears the dream that's been a growing for a hundred and The town I live in, the street, the house, the room, the pavement of the city, or a garden all in blue, the church, the school, the clubhouse, the million crying all races and religions all a-l-l races and religion that's america to me well welcome back you're listening to women's spaces i'm your host elaine b holtz and i'm so excited i'm in conversation with vesta copesakes who is uh, the chair right now of the uh, rental ordinance uh, committee at the lower russian river uh, municipality so talk about uh Vesta, you know, I, I, I can see that you did you did not pay much attention to retiring, just looking at this at this particular Oh, uh, I have paid attention to retiring. <laughs> Believe me, I'm having so much fun, it's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, you're on they call it the MAC, M A C Vacation Rental Ordinance Committee. What is that committee working on? Talk about that and why is it important? What are they looking at? Well, it's extremely important to Sonoma County. Um, it is a Sonoma County wide ordinance. So it's not just the Lower Russian River Municipal Advisory Council who has been addressing this. Over the last two years, all the municipal advisory councils and other planning commission uh, com meetings have been addressing what works and what does not work around this vacation rental industry. And the city of Santa Rosa also did a big ordinance revi revising uh, policy issues about the, it is a business that is operated in residential neighborhoods. 
Now, this has always been a planning, a land use issue up until now. And what it happened, what's happening is that a lot of homes in neighborhoods are turning into vacation rentals. So someone buys a house and they say, well, uh, they're not going to live in it. It's going to be uh, a second home or it's going to be something that's basically a business has run out of it. And so normally you couldn't run a business out of a neighborhood, a residence, if people are coming and going. Like you can have your own cottage industry in your house, but that's not having customers coming and going. But a vacation rental has people coming and going, coming and going all the time uh, with their own desires of what they expect of that property. It became a pain in the ass, basically, for people, neighborhoods. uh, Neighborhoods that had more vacation rentals than actual residences. There are actually neighborhoods in Sonoma County in the first and fifth district more than anything. Those two districts are really impacted by this industry. And then little things like a cul-de-sac where uh, seven out of 10 houses are vacation rentals. That means nobody's there who is committed to the community. There are no children going to the schools. It changes the dynamics of a neighborhood and a community. So the planning commission needed to change some of the rules too, to bring them up to date because the whole real estate market and the housing issue has changed over the last 20 years. So that's what this ordinance and this committee is about because the ordinance is being rewritten. And so what we did, we started out by interviewing people and doing a questionnaire and a survey in the community to like, how does this industry impact you? So we we interviewed and questioned residences and also all the people who serve the industry because people will say, my God, it's a tourism industry. Sonoma County has a tremendous amount of income based on the tourism community, all the restaurants, the retail places, things like that, and things like um, property managers and uh, housekeeping businesses. So there is an economic impact and an economic benefit in terms of a lot of communities. I don't know how the Russian River would even survive without the tourism industry. So how do you do have the benefits of that industry without how do you you balance it out exactly so that was part of why we wanted to rewrite the vacation rental ordinance um it's so different to go to a vacation rental than a hotel you know hotel you have a room uh, maybe a suite but in a vacation rental you have a whole house and a yard um so that's why families love to get together uh in a vacation rental that kind of thing but the impact on um, neighborhoods is extremely uh, oh God! It's, it ha- tends to be more negative than positive on neighborhoods. So the ordinance needed to be rewritten. It needed to define how many houses in a neighborhood. What is a neighborhood? Instead of taking an entire community and saying, "Oh, ten percent of the homes in that community can be vacation rentals," well, they're going to concentrate in areas like in and where I live along the Russian River. They're going to concentrate where people are going to have some fun, um, and therefore uh, some communities way up in the top of the hills aren't going to be impacted, but ones down by the River are. So how do we control that? Um, light pollution, lights on all night long, parties, people parking, these narrow, narrow streets that we have in the Russian River area. There's no room for extra cars. There's hardly room for people who live there. How do you deal with things like the people are parking out in the street and they aren't even considering that a fire engine needs to get by? So, so there how, how, how are the people responding to this? I mean, you have, I, I imagine you have the homeowner who says, you know, this might be impacting, but then you have the person who owns a vacation rental 
who's making an income off of it, and then you have the tourism. So it's like you have this balance that you have to come. It's probably the most difficult balance to make because there is a, a group of people who own vacation rentals who are upset about some of the changes that are being made. But I think the most important changes that are being made are that there is a coming shortly, even before the ordinance gets approved, a 24-hour hotline. It used to be that if you had a problem, you had to actually go onto the Permit Cinema website, find out who the person is to call, and call that person um, who is often out of state, like Airbnb and VRBO. There's nobody to answer the phone. You get, you know, a voicemail. And so you felt powerless. And Permit Sonoma is closed on weekends when all the problems would occur. So they're uh, instigating a 24-hour hotline, which is the same thing that they have in Marin County, which has worked really, really well. And the hotline, then you complain to the hotline, and then the person at that, it's an answering service, basically knows, finds the person who is the person who can do something about it, and then the requirement is to get that solved within 24 to 48 hours, or actually 30 to 60 minutes, depending upon the time of day. Well, what that's, that's, you know, that's another example of when the community comes together, instead of, you know, complaining, they do something, and here you have this hotline where at least there's a place to call to complain to get some resolve, you know, resolve while the issue is happening. Well, you know, we're coming, you know, time goes by so fast in this studio, you know, and I'm glad you're having a good time. But any any things that you would like to add, any conclusions that you came to or anything that you'd like to share with the folks that you think is really important? Well, I think it's really important that, um, that people understand that this 24-hour hotline is going to exist and that noise and light pollution is being addressed right now. And you can call that 24-hour hotline if you have a problem with it. But the biggest shift is going to be this industry is going to require a business business license. As opposed to being a land use issue, it becomes a business license that must be renewed every year. And if it, if problems cannot be resolved and they get that three strikes you're out, a, a business cannot renew their license for a vacation rental. So it really puts the accountability onto the owner and the property manager. And because of the requirement of fixing these problems quickly, locally owned property management companies are going to become especially important. And then in terms of the fire issues, um, these people in the vacation rentals will have to be evacuated when there is a warning as opposed to waiting for the mandated evacuation and that the property manager will be responsible for having these people leave the property and make sure they actually do. So these shifts are going to change how vacation rentals are in communities right down to the level of how many in a neighborhood and each one neighborhood will be judged independently. It's a big shift and a very, very important one to have this more balanced in our communities. Well, I want to thank you, Vesta, for working so diligently, you know, because it's so important. You know, accountability is important. Safety is important. And everybody, even, I mean, the rentals. I mean, it sounds like it's not just the people who are renting, but who's actually, who's rented, but also the renters themselves to make sure they are. Well, we're running very quickly out of time. We so always if you do. could just give us our, your website, how they can get a hold of you, and any last words. Well, in that particular case, RussianRiverMac.org is the website that I created for this particular ordinance, which will only be around for as long as we're dealing with this ordinance. But Sonoma-County.org is where people can sign up to get alerts of what's going on in their communities that they need to pay attention to. They have a whole list of, uh, of topics that you're interested in. Sign up for the email updates, and you will be aware of what's going on in your community. It's very important across Sonoma County. 
you so much, Vesta. <laughs> I love Thank what I do. So, oh, so much. <laughs> well, you, like you said, you love your community. Absolutely. It's my home. So it's your you. song. was perfect for that. Let's, I, let's repeat the websites. Oh, Sonoma-County.org. Sign up for email updates. And also remember that all the information that we've given out will be on www.womenspaces.com. Well, that's it for our show. Special thank you to Vesta Kopsakes, graphic artist, member of the Lower Russian River Municipal Council, and chair of the Vacation Rental Ordinance Committee. Wow, amazing. Uh, reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again uh, at 11 p.m. this evening. I'm so excited. I, I actually listened to my own show. I'm quite impressed with it. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements, and if you have any announcements and like to uh, have on the air, like a birthday or an anniversary, please please email me at elaine at womenspaces.com. Remember, our children are the future, and we must never, never lose sight of that. I mean, that is so important. And, you know, it's so beautiful when you listen to that, that home, you know, the house I live in. You know, we all live in neighborhoods. Get to know your neighbor. Get to know your neighbor. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. Who will bear all the joy that is coming to you If not a woman in your life, as she's someone to pursue She's patient and she's waiting and she'll take you home now. The woman in your life, she can wait so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Because the woman in your life, the woman in your Previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 11th, 2022.